Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, we looked at Prosecutor Thomas Binger's direct examination of Jason Lakowski, another of the armed individuals who was with the defendant on the night of the shooting. In this episode, we conclude our exploration of Lakowski's testimony. That's coming up after the break. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Kyle Rittenhouse attorney Corey Sharafasi rises to begin his cross examination of Jason Lakowski. Good morning. Good morning. Is it fair to say that prior to August 25th, you had never laid eyes on Kyle Rittenhouse? Correct. After August 25th, have you ever spoken to Kyle Rittenhouse? No. So you didn't know who he was when you got there and you haven't talked to him since? Correct. Sharafasi then pivots to re-examine Lakowski's testimony about his military training history and the prosecutor's attempted use of that testimony as a benchmark for engagement with and use of force against a hostile crowd. You had made mention uh, when speaking to Attorney Binger about shout, shove, show, shoot, right? Yes. Okay. In anywhere in that kind of commands that you do, is run away or retreat? Is that in there? No. So if you shout at someone and make physical contact or show them your firearm and they're, they're still coming forward, have you ever been trained to? No. Head for the hills? No. Run away from them? No. Try to get yourself out of the situation that you're in? No. Sharafasi's implication is clear. His client did retreat and run away, an effort at conflict aversion that was far beyond anything in Lakowski's training. The defense attorney then moves on to ask the witness about his equipment on the night of August 25th. So you arrive at 59th Street Car Source 1045-ish? Around, yes. And you have an AR-15 and a medical pack with you? Correct. Same kind of situation that when you meet Mr. Rittenhouse that he has, right? He has an AR-15. To a sense, yes. You have more than he has, but you both are carrying a medical bag. Yes. And he goes through some of your things, your medical things, and takes things that he needs. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you see him that night. Correct. And he is, when you speak to him, you get his name and the EMT information. Correct. Is that about it? Yes. You see him that night out and about trying to actually help you. Correct. Do you see him that night threaten anyone? No. Do you see him being aggressive in any manner toward anyone? No. 
Shirovsky next elicits testimony from Lakowski that seeks to draw a distinction between the defendant's behavior and that of Joseph Rosenbaum. Was his behavior such that that made you remember him? Yes. All right. Now, you had said that Mr. Rosenbaum was uh, yelling at people. Yes. Okay. And when he was on, tell me if this is fair, when he's on the corner of 59th and Sheridan, he is yelling, shoot me, and then he uses the N-word? Yes. So he's saying, shoot me, N-word, shoot me, N-word. Yes. Right? Yes. And just up the backdrop here, he's saying this at a protest for an African-American man who was shot by the Correct. And while he's saying, shoot me, N-word, do you remember behind yelling or chanting black lives matter i don't recall do you remember that night hearing people saying black yeah. lives matter yes okay are people reacting to him in a negative like, are they reacting to him when he's screaming the n-word at a jacob blake protest in a negative manner yes okay i didn't hear you in a what in a negative, okay. in a negative manner, yes. How? Stepping away from him. Okay, so they're separate. If, if I have it right, they're trying to disassociate themselves with the guy screaming racial epithets at a Black Lives Matter rally. Yes. Defense attorney Sharafasi then digs into Lakowski's testimony on direct that he never viewed Rosenbaum as much of a threat by having the witness articulate the distinction between his interactions with Rosenbaum and Kyle Rittenhouse's. Now, I'll ask you this. At 59th Street, are there other people around? Yes. So it's not a situation you had said that you didn't feel threatened. Correct. It wasn't a situation, though, where you were one-on-one -on -one with Mr. Rosenbaum, was it? It was not, correct. Okay, so there's other so you didn't view him as a threat. Would that have changed at all if you were alone with him? No. You didn't view him as a threat? Not at all. Did, did he ever threaten to kill you? No. Did he ever say to you, if I get you alone, you're, you're dead? No. Did he ever? Do more than that. Did he ever come actually after you? No. If he would have done that, would that have would have made you more concerned? Situation dictates. Okay. Well, if I'm full stepping on you, okay, would you be more concerned instead of me full stepping if I'm coming full speed right at you? Yes. Fair, right? I mean, yes. I'm then in your personal space. And you have a gun too, right? Yes. So one of the things I could do is take that gun from you. Yes. If I took. Yes. And if I threatened to kill you, kill you if I saw you that night, and then I'm running full speed at you and I'm going for your gun, would that are those all things you would have considered when making a decision what to do against somebody like me? A threat to my life, yes. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Defense attorney Corey Shirofsky next pivots to asking Jason Lakowski about his interactions with the defendant after the Joseph Rosenbaum shooting. There was some conversation that you had with uh, Attorney Binger about uh, your interaction with Kyle on 15, I'm sorry, on Sheridan Road as he's running north. Yes. He never stops running, correct? He stopped running to talk to me. For how long? I couldn't tell you the time span. Okay, well, I want to see if we can do this. Is it minutes? It seemed like seconds. Okay. Are there, if you know, are there people behind him running after him? I don't recall. Okay. Did you hear anything of people yelling? At one point, somebody did shout, get him. Sharafasi then plays for the witness three different videos from three different vantage points in time and sound sync with one another that capture the chase of Rittenhouse immediately after the Rosenbaum shooting and before the shootings of Anthony Huber and Gage Grosskreutz. In one of the videos, we see a brief encounter between the witness and the defendant. The defense attorney's stated purpose for playing these clips is to help refresh the witness's recollection of what he heard and what he saw during that pursuit. Take screenshots. That dude shot him. That nigga just shot that dude. Crazy him, that boy. He just shot a man. Sharafasi first repeats some of the threats shouted at Rittenhouse during the chase. Then the defense attorney asks Lakowski about his statement to the FBI regarding the shootings, implying that the witness may have misheard what Rittenhouse said. You heard on the tape things like people saying cranium that boy, right? Cranium? Like your head? Cranium that boy. Right? On the tape, yes. Do you recall hearing that that evening? No. Um, now, you had told the FBI that Mr. Rittenhouse said to you, I didn't shoot anybody, but I need help. Yes. Now, you'd agree. Well, tell me if you agree. The statement that makes more sense is, I, I did shoot somebody and I need help. Right? Why would he need help if he didn't shoot someone? Right? Yes. Okay. So... Again, I'm not being critical. Are you, how certain are you that in fact he didn't say, I, I did shoot someone and I need help versus I didn't shoot someone, but I need help. I don't honestly recall. Okay. Prosecutor Binger then rises for redirect examination and immediately seeks to distinguish between Lakowski's and the defendant's reasons for leaving the property that they were protecting. At any point, uh, in that evening, did you receive a report that you or other folks guarding 59th Street needed to go down to 63rd to put out a fire? No. Or to deal with any sort of property damage at that location? No. So when you decided to go down there in the end, it was simply because you heard gunshots? Yes. 
Binger then tries to rehabilitate Lukowski's statement to the FBI that Rittenhouse told him that he did not shoot anyone. You were asked about your FBI statement regarding what you heard the defendant say. Yes. Was your memory of what occurred um, on the night of August 25th fresher in your mind at the time you spoke to the interview than it is today? Correct. Did you feel like you wanted to be as open and honest with the FBI agents as possible? Yes. Did you feel like you wanted to give them as much information as you could about the events of that night? Yes. When you spoke to them, did you tell them the truth? Yes. When Attorney Chirafasi was asking you, I think you said you, you weren't sure as you sit here today what the defendant said. Is that fair to say? Yes. Is that because over the last 14 months, some of the details are no longer as clear to you as they were when you spoke to the FBI on September 1st, 2020? Yes. Your statement to the FBI, where you told them, Rittenhouse's face was pale white, and he stated that he didn't shoot anyone, but needed help. That was accurate, correct? Yes. Is it accurate that he stated that, or that was accurate as the fact? Do you it was understand? accurate that I had stated that at that point in time, yes. And, and was that, in fact, what the defendant had said to you? From what I recollect at that point in time, yes. Binger next returns to the witness's characterization of Joseph Rosenbaum's behavior on the night of August 25th, 2020. You characterize Mr. Rosenbaum as the most aggressive person out there that night. Is that fair to say? From my, from my recollection, yes. Did you ever see him physically harm anyone? No. Did you ever hear him threaten to physically harm anyone? No. Binger's intent with the final questions of his redirect is somewhat mystifying. I think the one thing that you've described hearing is uh, the words, get him. Is yes. that right? Do you recall any other specific words that the crowd was saying? No. I'm going to try and ask you to put yourself back in the mindset of that night, at that moment, when you heard that. Who did you think the him was? I'm not too sure, to be honest. Was it obvious to you that the him was the defendant, Kyle Rittenhouse? No. Again, it is unclear how casting doubt on who the crowd was chasing and shouting at helps the prosecution narrative. And Sharafsi begins his recross by emphasizing the true relevance of this testimony from Lakowski. When you heard get him, you didn't know that Mr. Rittenhouse had shot Mr. Rosenbaum, right? Correct. Okay. Would it be fair to say, though, whoever they were yelling get him to, that person had something to be concerned about? Yes. Sharafasi concludes his recross by revisiting the witness's statement to the FBI about what Rittenhouse said to him in the aftermath of the Rosenbaum shooting. Now, I just want to clarify your uh, statement to the FBI, okay? When you made, when, when Kyle made contact with you, was that in the portion of your uh, statement or your testimony where you were, where you don't have a good recollection of it? 
you said you had blacked out. Was that during after the meeting with that little meeting? I guess we had I had with Kyle, and then I had followed him down, and I heard gunshots behind me, and then I had heard gunshots behind me once again. At that point, I don't. The last next thing I remember is seeing Gage. Okay, so uh, I'm not being critical about this, but you hear what you believe to be a, a rifle rifle shots fired near 63rd and Sheridan. Yes. You see Kyle Rittenhouse running in your direction. Yes. You hear people yelling, get him. Yes. He tells you whether he says, I just shot somebody or I didn't shoot somebody, but I need help. At that point, you don't suspect that he may have been the person who shot someone. It didn't cross my mind, no. Is that in part because he wasn't aggressive during the night? I'm going to correct be on the scope. Even if it is, I, I generally do not adhere strictly to that rule. So. Is that part of, you wouldn't have a reason to believe he shot someone because he wasn't acting aggressive when I say he, me and Mr. Rittenhouse. Correct. As you sit here now and think about that statement, does it make more logical sense to you that he would have said that he shot somebody and he needs help versus he didn't shoot somebody but needs help? I'm going to object, Your Honor. This is beyond the scope. It's been asked and answered, and the record is clear that this witness has testified to what the defendant has said. Judge Bruce Schrader asks Sharafasi to rephrase his question. Having read that statement, and the portion I'm talking about is what Kyle said to you. Does it make more logical sense to you today or when you had, and he can shake his head if he wants, um, while you're sitting here now, why would he need help if he didn't shoot someone? I'm, I'm going to argue with you. Okay. I have no other question. Thank you. With Judge Schrader sustaining the objection that Sharafasi was asking the witness to draw inferences from facts of the case, the defense attorney tells the court that he's done, and Jason Lakowski's testimony comes to a close. And with that, we conclude this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. We will, of course, discuss the interrogation strategies of both the prosecution and the defense during our weekly recap. But first, join us on our next episode as we offer an overview of the testimonies of a number of the prosecution witnesses who were called immediately after Jason Lakowski. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You can find more information about this trial at our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Karenik, and it was edited by Chris Taracone. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. 
Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.